How about giving King Jesus his due, his rightful reward? How about giving him praise, not only for who he is, but what he's about to bring forth? If I told you, look at your neck, if I told you you're, you're the brokest you're ever going to be, how would you feel? <laughs> We know there are pending issues coming forth over our nation, in our cities, and we know that the Lord has a word for the church. And I want to share in just a few moments before we partake of the Lord's table, something that was brewing in my heart. I actually was going to share it last week, but your testimonies were so dynamic. Weren't they awesome testimonies? It was just amazing. I did not feel I could do justice, so I thought I would save it for, the, for this morning. But take the hand of the person with you. And this is about all that God wants to do. This is about you and I believing him. How can you believe him if you don't know what he says? You can only believe him for what you know. And, and, and for that reason, given our attention, all of us, every single one of us, even in our daily devotions, giving attention to the word of the Lord is primary. It's absolutely necessary. Actually, it's, it's become crucial. How can you believe him if you didn't hear him? And if you never heard him, how could you even have hope for your future, let alone faith for what you're dealing with right now? I, I tell you in the name of the Lord, the Lord wants to up the ante. He wants you to understand how crucial it is for his word to be in you. People who don't know the word, don't listen to the word, people who do not live in the word, live in their own doubts and in their own fears. And their ground is shaking. In fact, Jesus said, Everybody builds, but the, the person who builds their life on the words, these, those of you who hear my words and put them to practice, I'll show you who they're like. They're like the person who built his house on the rock. He said, the people who hear my word and do nothing about it and don't obey it are like those that build their house on the sand and the way he gave this parable it, it declares that everybody's, tell your neighbor everybody's building something you're either going to be the wise builder or the foolish builder and my my, my dear friend said man don't be no fool go ahead and tell your neighbor that man don't be no fool foolish people it's not, it's not that foolish people don't know better. They just won't do better. They don't believe. May God bless you in your believing today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for opening our ears. Help me, Lord. Help me articulate, Holy Spirit, the word in a way that it becomes alive. And we see it and we understand it. And we walk in it. Giving you all the glory and the praise for what you do in this moment. Let God's people say amen.
Hug your neighbor and say, you are, you're going to be all right. I, I promise you, you're going to be all right. Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, we have one of the most profound passages, chapters in Scripture, in my opinion. For me, Genesis 15 is one of the greatest proclamations of the gospel in the whole Word of God. But it's hidden. It's there. But it's hidden. May the Lord help me, help us to see it unveiled so you understand it. Because when you understand it, everything, everything will change. Abraham, as you know, our, the New Testament calls him our father in the faith. Abraham was confronted by God and God spoke to him uh, in, there are four different instances where God spoke to him that all, every one of his confrontations, every one of these four confrontations of God and Abraham changed Abraham's life forever, forever. And I, I want to speak to one of those which are so incredibly important. In the 15th chapter of Genesis, God comes to Abraham. Verse 1 says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And here's what he said. Do not fear, Abram. God had not yet given him the title Abraham yet. He was still Abram. Still believed, trying in his effort. He believed in God. But that's about to change. A lot of people believe in God. God wants to change that to believing God. Great difference. A lot of people who live in the world today, your friends and neighbors and friends and co-workers, believe in God. But they don't believe God. Huge difference. So Abram, Abram is, is checking out his dream. And in his dream, God says to him, do not fear, Abraham. By the way, if God spoke to you and said, don't fear, what kind of question would come to your mind? Tell your neighbor what kind of question that comes to your mind. He, Tim did not, our brother Tim, did he, is he still, did he go? Did not know what I was going to speak this morning. But if God said to you, don't fear, what would you think? Oh, Jesus. Oh, what is it that you don't want me to be afraid of? Abraham or Abram, don't fear. And then God says, I am your shield. Are you with me? I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I am your shield, one translation, says, and your very great reward. I am. God says to him, I am. Lord, have mercy. That's profound. Looking in the air, you don't see God. Most people don't feel God. 
God's talking to Abram and he says, but I am, I am your shield. Your protection. One translation said, I will be to you a shield. Another says it actually makes God's making himself Abraham's protection from all trouble, from all his enemies, from every negative onslaught in his life. Not only am I I'm going to protect you, but I'm your great reward. When God says great, what do you think God means when he says great? If God said great, whew, I wonder what your mind does when you think about that. Abram is listening and he says, oh Lord, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? Isn't that an interesting thing? What will you give me? Do your words read my word? Is my Bible reading like yours? What will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And, Abraham, and, and Abram said, since you have given me no offspring, you're not giving me any baby. I don't have no babies, God. One born in my house is my heir then behold the word of the Lord came to him saying this man talking about Eliezer this man will not be your heir but one who will come from you from your own body he shall be your heir and he took him outside said now Abram look up toward the heavens anybody been in the country where there are no city lights on a beautiful clear black night has anyone seen that ever in your life it is something astounding he said Abram he said I want you to look up look up in the heavens count the stars if you can if you're able and he said to him so shall so shall your descendants be now, he, uh, he doesn't have one child yet. Are you still breathing with me? Not one child. And God says, your reward will be very great. And it's, you're, you, you're, you're, I'm going to give you descendants, even though you right now are childless. I'm going to give you, by the way, what was apparent to Abraham was very different than what was apparent to God. God in his promise saw the end result. Are you all there? Abram couldn't even see the beginning. And so he's talking to him. And Abraham, I'm sure, having walked with God now, pardon my language, for several chapters, has <laughs> got to be curious, somewhat excited, maybe a little bit afraid. From your own body, and verse 5 says, and he took him outside, look up in the heavens and see, and, and if you're able. And he said to him, your, your descendants, like these stars, are going to be the numbers of men and women that come from you. Verse 6, are you there? I was looking in different translations. The New American Standard said, and he believed in God. You look in other translations, and he believed God. Very interesting. Yes, 
And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in, in the Lord and he reckoned it, God reckoned or accounted toward his record or put on his account righteousness. He reckoned to him as righteous and he said to him, I am the Lord who bought you out of Ur, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. Are you all still there? Verse 8, and then Abram said to the Lord, and this is the title that I want you to work with inside of you today. How may I know? How may I know? There, there, there are many of you sit, sitting here today that have not talked to anybody else about that, but the question in your mind, you hear, you are, you do read the word, and you, you see the promises. And then inside of you, there's a question that says, how will I know? Because what he promises hadn't, hasn't manifested yet. What he promises is great. What he promises is far beyond, even right now, maybe you see your ability. But you, it's great what he says. And, and, and you know who's telling you. And you, and you have some confidence in the word of God. But you got this question in your mind. How will I know? Did somebody write a song about that? How will I know? Oh. How will I know? I thought y'all knew something. Anybody know that song? Ooh, we help me, Jesus. So, <laughs> how may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, I want you to give attention to this. Abram asked God, how will I know I really going to get it? Another way of putting this is, how do I know you're going to do what you're saying? I think many of you have struggled with that at times. How will I know that what I'm reading, up, I see your promise. How will I know this is going to, I'm going to receive it? Are you still breathing, saints? It's kind of like two couples who have been engaged standing at the, at standing at uh, at the altar of marriage and making promises to each other. And in the back of her mind, it's got to be at some point, how do I know you're going to do what you say? You're promising me for the rest of my days and the rest of my days have not come yet. How I know you're going to be true? How I know you're going to do what you say you're going to do? How do I know that you're going to come through? Are you still breathing? So he says, uh, he said to him, here's what I want you to do, Abram. In, in answer to Abram's really deep, important question, which, by the way, God does not freak out because Abram says, how do I know? God doesn't get mad with Abram because he's asking, how do I know you're going to do this? Now, if you tell your children you're going to do something, and, and your children say, well, I know you're going to do it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. How many of you got a problem with that question? God didn't get, a, he didn't get upset with Abram. Are you still tracking with me? 
Note verse 8, verse 9. He said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer. That means a cow. That's not your next-door neighbor. That's a cow. Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat. Some of you want to call your neighbor that. A, three, a female goat and, and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a, and, and a, a young pigeon. You guys still with me? What verse is that? Verse 9? Then he brought all these things to him and cut them in two. I want you to see this picture in your mind before we partake of this meal. He brought them to him and he cut them in two and laid each half opposite of the other but he didn't cut the birds and the birds of prey came down upon the carcass and Abraham drove them away now when the sun was going down I'll stop right there for a moment God was about to do something that we don't talk about much we don't talk about enough in our nation in our culture let alone in our family God's going to answer his question how can I know but to do it, he's going to do it in demonstration. Now, when God said, Abram, go get these, what did he tell him to get? Somebody tell me, what did he tell him to get? Yes, what else? And, uh, and, when, 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 when he did that, Abraham knew immediately what God was doing. I, it must have blown his mind because culturally, this is the way, culturally, this is the way, help me Lord, culturally, this is the way they signed a contract. Much more binding than what we call our, con our written contracts. In, in Abram's day, they were not written on paper and on uh, uh, and, and electronically on uh, your electronic instruments, but but in Abraham's day, they were these contracts were binding by demonstration. I'm sorry, some of you might consider that a, a, a bit gory, but if the animals that he, he, he got were cut in half and separated, obviously blood would be running between the two, the, the two halves of the pieces. Something I want you to write down about covenant, and I do want you to remember it. So when it comes up, you'll understand what's going on. In Abram's day, when you wanted to seal something together, an agreement, this is the way they did it. Not just Jews, the whole, the whole, all of the cultures, this is the way they made pacts, P-A-C-K, pacts and agreements. We, we would say contracts, but frankly, my friend, a whole lot deeper, a whole lot more binding than what we call a contract. Because when we draw up a contract, there are stipulations in the contract which can cancel it out. Are you all breathing? If I will, you will. If you will, I will. We got whole sections of law just to deal with breaking contracts. God said, Abram, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to seal an agreement with you. 
And you, you must understand that, that in his day, if you were a king and you had an agreement with another nation, those two kings would come into agreement. But what would not happen is that the king of one nation and a soldier of another, that, con that, that compact does not happen. Kings very rarely, if ever, would ever draw up this kind of contract. And even if they did, they would have a representative would walk between the two pieces of the halves of the animals that were slain with blood. And they would make promises to each other. Talk about that in a moment. There's some, write down these quick characteristics of covenant because you're going to see it in your life and it will make so much more sense covenants are always accompanied with a declaration covenants always begin with a spoken word and spoken promises you know we in our in the early part of our nation that's how we made contracts a man's a man's is good as his a man's is as good as his his bond right in other words if I told you I'll be there I'll be there at 3 o'clock tomorrow what did that mean my words my bond what does that mean I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do it binds you to what you said my God help us in our nation we have a problem right now we have a problem with this in interpersonal relationships the Bible calls this covenant. Write the word down, covenant. And covenant is all through the word of God. In fact, the word New Testament, the word testament literally means covenant. Old Testament, it means covenant. The binding agreement. All covenants, and this is the way, this is the way God operates. You want to blow your mind? Go home, get your Bible program, type in the search category, covenant. That's all. Just type that and, 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 and signify just the Old Testament and see what comes up. It'll blow your mind. This is the way God operates. It's the way he chooses to deal with us. And yes, us deal with each other. You're still breathing. Covenants always accompanied with declarations, always with a spoken promise, always with witnesses. So Genesis 15 and 1, the declaration, God says, Abraham, don't fear, I am your great reward. And your reward shall be how else, how, 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 how could it be anything other than great when God says, I am your great reward? And he promises him. He says, look up at the stars. You see? Can you count them? He would have to say, no, I can't count them. I lose track. Yeah, that's where it's going to be with you. That's how many seeds, how many nations, how many people are going to come out of you. Wow. There's always witnesses in a, in a covenant. 
chapter 15 is a picture of God making unheard of. If kings would never make covenant with a member of another tribe, nothing less than the progenitor of the tribe, if, if kings wouldn't do it, why would God make that kind of agreement with Abram? Unheard of. And what he's promising him is beyond, this is what gets me, what God's promising him is beyond his time and his ability. Beyond Abram's ability to perform. Because in a covenant, it's always accompanied with promises. So Abraham would have to promise God something as God would have to promise him something. Are you still with me? So Abram says, now Abraham understands what a covenant is. So he said, well, Lord, Lord, Lord uh, and every, all of us have the same kind of questions. Lord, how will I know? How will, how will I know you're going you're gonna to do this? Because he wasn't even sure he could do it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I mean, how old is Abraham? He's at least in his 70s. He's, he's, he's actually a little older than that. And you're promising me a child? And I had no babies. Sarah and I, you know, we know. Ain't nothing happening. And it maybe it'll come from my servants, but it ain't gonna come from me. I know what I'm able to do and not do. If y'all read a story about Sarah, you knew what her mindset was. <laughs> Rich child, please. And God said, nah, it's not gonna be Eleazar. I'm gonna perform this. It's going to be from your own, he's very specific, Abram, from your own body. What are you saying? What are you saying? So Abraham hears what God is saying, and then he, he does what he, the Lord asks him. Go get these animals, cut them in half. Abram, in his mind, he's saying, in his mind, he's thinking, uh, I'm going to make a covenant with God? God's answer to me is when I say, how do I know he's going to make covenant with me? So all the animals are laid out. This, for us, it would be a very gory scene. I don't know what it took to cut that heaven half, but he did it. And some of you have never, never somebody, has anyone here ever slaughtered a hog? My dad, my dad grew up in the country and one of his pride things was to take me with him so I could see a hog slaughtered. I was like, oh, the poor piggy. Oh, wait, you've never lived until you've seen it. <laughs> that thing cut in half and hang it upside down, JT. So when they cut it, all the blood runs out. Abraham, when he cut these things in half, he spread them across. It's a look at your neighbors. It's a bloody mess. But something wonderful is about to happen. Now I can go faster.
while this scene is happening and God is looking at Abram and Abram has done what God said would you please look at look there with me it says in verse 12 Genesis 15 12 now when the sun was going down are you there saints now when the sun was going down a deep sleep fell on Abram this by the way in the original is not an ordinary sleep this is almost like an unconsciousness a very deep sleep falls upon him upon Abram and behold terror did you see the word that I said is that the word in your Bible terror and what and great darkness did what fell on him now I don't know how many of you have ever been in darkness that's so dark it, it, it's terrifying I don't know if anybody have ever been in terrifying darkness I remember coming home from uh, I was at Chico State. I was driving back to Sacramento, and and and, and I was driving because uh, my mother had called me and said, "Son, uh, you need to come home." And I said, well, "What's wrong, Mom?" He said, "Well, the FBI showed up at our door and was dragging your brother down the walkway because the FBI thought that David was you." I could see my brother. <laughs> Man, that was a dark day. I remember getting in my vehicle and driving home. And while I was coming from north from, from Chico to into Sacramento, there's a highway there. It's in the country, actually. And, and there, there was a storm in front of me brewing. And from left all the way as far as far south and north, excuse me, as far as far as far east and west as I could see, it was just black cloud. And as far as high as I could see, almost like this black mass was moving toward me. It was it was terrifying. I thought, am I going? Am I driving into a hurricane? I actually was. I didn't know how bad it was going to be. It was, but it wasn't a, a storm carrier. It was a spiritual hurricane. I remember how fright, how fear gripped my heart as I was coming up on that darkness. Now there's something going on here in the scripture that is, that it's a bit mysterious. But this darkness falls on Abram and, and, and he's in the midst of cutting covenant with God and this darkness comes, falls on him. Has anybody been in a fire where the smoke is so thick you can't? see your way and you, you get your nose down to the floor because you need to, about an inch from the floor is the only air you can breathe so you're down trying to get a, trying to get some air to stay alive it's, it's, it's thick blackness comes down and the Bible says it comes down upon Abram do you see it there it, and it uses this word it fell upon him it was very dark 517 it came about when the sun went down it was very dark and behold there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch a smoking oven and a flaming torch and Abram is put he's incapacitated he's unconscious even though I'm sure in the spirit he's seen it or he couldn't have written it and he's probably shaking and trembling because he's about to encounter the very nature, power of God. 
God says, Abram, uh, I promised you what I promised you. Since you asked me, how will I know? Let me show you how you can know. Let me show you how you can be sure that what I promised you, I will not fail. I think that's only half the problem, though. Because for all of us, we, we face the same thing. Not only, how, Lord, how am I going to know you're going to do it? And the other question is, how am I going to know that I'm going to keep my end of it? And so it is. He's, he's in the predicament before God, and he's probably trembling, I'm sure, afraid. God shows him something. The smoking oven. And this flaming torch. Other times in the Bible, when God reveals himself, he reveals himself coming in a cloud. And the cloud is terrifying. Terrifying. Because inside of the cloud as the billows turn you can see fire and flame and, and, and even out of the blackness shoots flames of fire shoot out of it and men are trembling when they see that stuff something like when they were in the it's, 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 it's part of the nature of God we, we, we have difficulty dealing with and when God led Israel out of Egypt he did it by this pillar of smoking burning fire when Pharaoh saw it with his with his soldiers it startled them they, they said whoa, whoa hold up hold up what is this so I like to I liken it to some movies move some movie makers try to create it I was trying to think of the movie when uh when uh, uh it, it, some of you will help me remember this you know when it was a, a movie when 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 outer space was invading um, it was one of the first movies about um, no the president and uh, the president was Independence Day I knew I had some movie watches up in here and Independence Day anybody seen Independence Day raise your hand you know that part when when they they they're, they don't know about UFOs right so 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 when when the when they when they invade that smoke that cloud that dark black rumbling fire you, you know that part I think in my mind it might be something like that <laughs> uh, same kind of thing when Moses was on the mountain and the whole mountain was on fire everything's shaking the people are so afraid they don't know what to do they said, Moses, go on back up there. Let God talk to you. He ain't going to need to talk to us. We, no, we're going back in our tents. It was that kind of thing. It's, it's consistent, by the way. You look it up to the scripture, it's consistent when God wants to make a point. There's something about God that's like terrible. In fact, the Bible speaks of his terrible greatness. So Abraham watching this in his helplessness this furnace 
is moving and and this torch by the way this furnace and this torch are on opposite sides of the halves of the animal and the torch and the, and the furnace begin to walk in between the pieces God is saying Abram you don't have what it takes so what I'm gonna do I'm gonna take your place and I'm gonna walk this thing for you to make sure you know that what I promise you I will do it and what you think you're unable to do I will make up the difference somebody give him praise somebody give him praise I will complete this this is one of the greatest explanations of the, of the gospel in the whole scripture and Abram, he's just, he's just, he's helpless. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died for us. Are you still with me? What were you saying, God? Well, when they wanted to make a contract in the early days of, of the times of Abraham, they would act out the consequences. Because if you're at the altar and you've made the promises before God and the witnesses, before heaven and earth, you're still not done yet. It's not ratified yet because you ain't signed that paper. Anybody ever sign that paper? Put your name down on the marriage certificate, right? Why, why, why do people tremble when they sign that paper? Because, I mean, I've seen a lot of signings. And you know, that ain't none of the writing good. And they sign it because when I sign this paper, there are consequences to my signing. When I, when I put my John Hancock on this document that there are ramifications that will affect me the rest of my life are you guys breathing all right in the in the in the in the in the days of abram when you made a, when you made a covenant god he, he they had to act out they had to act out the the responsibilities so one would start on one side one would start on the other and they would walk in the blood and, and, and the animals on both sides and they would say something like this if I break this covenant may I be cut to pieces like these animals may my blood flow on the ground may I be separated from the earth may, 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 may destruction come to my life if I break what I promise here today ain't nobody talking to me ain't nobody talking to me oh you need Bible okay here we go Check this out. Are you still with me? Then act like it so I can hurry up, okay? I need a little more enthusiasm in here. Amen. And so Jeremiah chapter 34, verse 18 and 20. Jeremiah 34, 18 and 20. This is God talking to Israel. He says, uh, I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not fulfilled the words of the covenant which they made before me, when, when, when they cut the, the, the calf 
into and pass between the parts the, the officials of Judah and the officials of Jerusalem the court officers and the priests and all of the people of the land who pass between the parts of the calf I will give them I will give them into the hands of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their life and their dead bodies will be food for the birds of the air and the beast of the earth what did you say When Israel made a covenant with another nation, they had to walk between the blood. And if they broke their promise, God said, this is what I'm going to do to them. I want to give you an illustration of how covenant was cut in the Old Testament. Now look up at me for a second before we go home. When, when, when sleep comes upon Abram, it's God saying, Abram, I know you backwards and forwards. I know your thoughts. I know your fears. I know in yourself you don't have what it takes to keep this promise. He already told the man, this ain't my wife, this is my sister. Are y'all breathing? I know you don't have what it takes, Abram, but I'm God. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take your place. I, I, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your place. I'm going to make a promise to myself on your behalf. And I'm going to honor what I say. I'm sorry. Y'all are not with me. I, I get excited about it. But I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you're not. Um, amen. So here's, here's what he says. Are you still with me? Then, 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 then get with me. And then he said, he said, he said um, he's, I, I'm going to make this promise for you because you can't do it you can't keep it of yourself are you there what what i'm going to do he said i'm going to i'm going to take your place and i'm going to promise this in other words abram didn't have the statue the glory nor the honor to make an equal covenant with god because god is a creator are you breathing so what God says, I know I'm the creator and I know you're my creation, but I'm going to make this kind of covenant with you. And when I make this covenant with you, I'm going to bind myself to what I said. I'm going to promise myself. Ain't nobody higher than me. I'm going to promise myself that what I promised you, I will keep it. And if I don't do what I said, may this happen to me. May, may, may my immutability, may, may it become a mutation. May my immortality suffer mortality. May my infinite, may my infinity uh, uh, suffer a limitation. And, and may my power become powerless. May my impossibility become possible. And may I be cut off. And may I be destroyed if I don't keep what I promise you okay you don't get it yet so in Matthew 15 verse 33 to 34 and when the sixth hour came darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Allah Shabbat 
which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have I been cut off? Why have I been torn apart? Why have I been abandoned? Because he took the full identity of our sin. On the cross, Jesus took to your neighbor. He took your place. So he bore your pain. He bore your sickness. He bore, he bore your curse. My God. In Isaiah 53 verse 8, it says, By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people who should have taken the blow? The blow was due them, but he took the blow. He was cut off. Judgment fell, your judgment, our judgment falls on him. God punishes the Father, punishes Christ for you, for me. God's judgment is, is poured out like the wrath, the type of the cup of the covenant in, in, in wine the wine represented the, the fullness of the dregs, the, 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 the cup of the fullness of the sins of humanity has filled up and poured out on Jesus. That's why we're called the children of Abraham. When we believe God, not believe in God, when we believe God, we believe Him. We say, I will, what, what you want me to do? I will serve you whatever you want me to do. Where you want me to go? How you want me to live? When we believe God, it's so, so much greater than believing in something. We believe it's a person. We believe what he said. We believe what he did. We accept it. In fact, the Bible says we no longer become ourselves. We now are owned. Look at your name. I'm owned by him. Tell him if it's true for you. If it's true for you, say I'm owned by him. He owns my life. He owns my life. Tap your neighbor one more time. In fact, grab their hand and say, you are not your own. You don't belong to you anymore. You were brought with a price. Tell them what I said. You no longer. Those of you who are still trying to run your life the way you want to run it, you don't get the benefits. You don't get what God promises. You have to decide, this is not my life anymore. My life is completely sold, bought, paid for by him alone. I now am his servant and his son. That's why a lot of people go to church and they, uh, they, like, they like the energy, they like the worship like the camaraderie 
but they, they haven't decided to be his property. They're not truly in covenant. But you accept Jesus Christ. You accept everything he did for you. And those of you who are struggling with your faith, those of you who are struggling with your faith, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, for when God made the promise to Abram, or to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Surely I will bless you and surely I will multiply you. Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the hearts of the prom, show to, to, to the heirs, God wanting more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose. He interposed it with an oath. This is covenant saints. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. And it goes on and says, if we hold this, it is an anchor to my soul. Old folks used to say, my soul is anchored. My soul is anchored. My soul is anchored in the Lord. I don't know if any, if any of you have ever been on a, a boat that's, uh, uh, even a ship that's raging in a storm. Anchors is what holds it while the thing is tossed. It, won't, it don't go anywhere but it, because it's stable. The, stabil, the stability is in the anchor. It's touching something that can't be moved. A lot of men and women who say they love Jesus are rocked and rolled and throw up and quit and give up and don't and quit serving the Lord because they the storm rocks them from their faith they think the storm is what's permanent no the storm is not permanent it is Christ Jesus who is permanent and who is everlasting and when your anchor is connected to him you understand I don't care what happened I don't care up down light dark you don't mean it rich poor I don't care what it is sickness and health it don't matter what it is that's what you say when you get married right is that what you say when you get married what do you say to each other for better for worse for richer for poor in sickness and in health tell what forsaking all others tell what that's covenant my friend and the only reason why you're able to do that with any confidence is because your anchor must be connected to Christ. Don't marry anybody whose anchor is not connected to Jesus. Because if it's not, they can't keep what they promise. I say it again. Don't get connected with anybody whose anchor is not connected with Jesus. Don't lay down with anybody whose anchor is not connected to Jesus. If you do, you'll go down with them. I want to tell you today that if you're connected to Christ and your anchor is, is on the solid rock, no matter how the wind blows, no matter what, no matter how much money you have or don't have, it don't even matter that you ain't doing good right now. It doesn't even matter that you're fussing and fighting. I'm telling you, if, you're, if your anchor is connected to Jesus, you might be shaky, but the 
you won't drown. When we take this covenant today, so Jesus said, I, I instituted this bread and this wine to remind you of me. Because when we, when we worship Jesus, we worship who Abram, who Abram made covenant with. And that's what we're called as children. We're the children of Abraham. Because we believe what Abraham believed. Not in, we believe him, we believe God. I want to be, I want to be identified with Abram. You take this covenant, it's my bread, it's my body, my, my, this cup is my blood. Pour it out for you. When you drink it, remember me. Remember me. Unmovable, unshakable. I could have exercised my authority and come down from that hideous punishment, but I chose to stay there for you because I wanted you to completely believe that what I said, that's what I will do. And then I get up from the grave to prove that what I said was the truth. When you and I believe in Jesus, uh, we become anchored. Man, that thing might be taking water. It don't matter. That thing might be doing this. Oh, oh, oh. Have you ever been on a boat in seasick? Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're going to walk with God, it will not, listen to me, when you walk with God, he does not promise you a stormless journey. When we decide we're going to follow Jesus, in fact, he tells you every life, fool or wise, going to have winds and rain and floods. Am I right? Look at your neighbor. You're going to have wind in your life. You're going to have rain in your life. You're going to have floods in your life. You're going to have adversity. You're going to have people that hate you. You're going to have circumstances that want to kill you. But God said, if, you are found, if your foundation is secure, you're not even going to move. Okay, bow your heads. Because I don't know what you hook to, but you better be sure you hook to the right thing. You're really sure that it's Jesus himself. Not the belief in Jesus, Jesus himself. This is the difference of our faith and other religions. In our faith, we know him. Like my mama said, we walk, he walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I'm his own. When you, when, when, when you believe in him, it's different than believing some platitudes or believing even a list of doctrine. When you believe Jesus, see, you might not even know the doctrine, but if you believe Jesus, you're going to be all right. Now, you'll be better if you know the doctrine because you know how to live. But if you believe in him, and you know it's him and not, not a religion, you know it's him and not a human person, it's a whole different ballgame. And if by chance you say today, I... I thought I was secure. I wondered why I was so shaky. I thought I was secure and then 
this happened and that happened and I just I, I, I started doubting whether God loves me people that doubt whether God loves them are dealing with their own internal doubts about their connection with God when your connection with God is right it takes care of your self-image when your connection with God is right you quit doubting your sexuality when your connection with God is, is right my God then then you 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 know people who are not connected to God right have horrible self-image problems and when you have a self-image problem you want to be conformed to anything that you think might please other people or make you happy when your connection to God is sure you know Abram he you, you follow his life he did some crazy things but you know what when he by the time he gets here in his life when that thing is clear with him it, he, he is like a rock from that point on he never budges he is so sure that he believes God and then when God tells him take your son you've been waiting for for 25 years take him and sacrifice him on a mountain I'll show you Abraham doesn't question God he gets his boy come on but son we going on a trip he raises a knife to actually do it and the angel said oh Abraham you my man you know what you just did you just secured your 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 generations as the stars you just secured everything that God promised you when, when, when you believe him and obey him Look over there, that ram in the bush, that's really, that's really what I want you to find. But you couldn't find it unless you're willing to give up everything in obe obedience to the one who called you. And when he sees the ram, he, he sacrifices the lamb. He takes that boy that he took up the mountain, puts him in his hand, and, and takes him down the mountain. He comes up with the sun, but he comes down with a multitude. Because he's made up his mind, he's done. Some of you have not been there. You're not, you're not there. You, you hoping it's going to be all right. You hoping you got fire insurance. Oh, that's so hard. Bobby hits. Some of you have not received Jesus. Some of you have not, you've not signed the deal. You've not cut the covenant. You've, Abraham had to go get the pieces and prepare everything. He had to agree. And just like you and I, we have to agree with what is said. Lord, you're talking about me. I've been on the edge. I've been trying to please myself more than I wanted to please you. I've been looking for what I can get out of this rather than looking for you. And if you're here today and you're wrestling with your commitment of faith to God, let it, be not, let it be known that he has done everything necessary to convince you. You have to just say, I'm convinced. You're, the way you cut the deal is, yes, Lord. The way you cut the deal is, I'm in Jesus. The way you cut the deal is, I'm yours. The way you cut the deal is you accept Jesus as your Lord. You quit wrestling with whether Jesus is a, a fictitious character. You quit wrestling with the question, was Jesus as a man, was he really God? You quit wrestling with that foolishness. You realize no one has done, ever. All time is predicated on him. You know he existed. And by the way, 
You know he was with you in situations. Some of you, you know it was God with you in situations you were dealing with. God is the one that showed up for you. You have to decide, I will follow him. If you've not made that decision, I want you to make it right now, right there in your seat. God loved me so much, he did all of it for me beforehand, even before I came on the scene. He made all everything. He prepared everything for my coming. Some of you just needed a revelation. You just needed your eyes open. I'm not selling you religion today. It's God Almighty who wants you and you must want him. You know, you know, you get in trouble, you get in the depths, your life is threatened and you first thing a person you call on is God. I need you to surrender to him today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. My brothers and my sisters who are sitting here today preparing to take this covenant meal to remind us and to energize us that what you have spoken, you will do. That their reward is great. Remind them today. You are our shield. All Abraham could do was just say yes. So God, say God, okay, Abraham, you say yes? Guess what? I'm going to change your name. Actually, it's a way of saying I'm going to change your nature. Not Abram, but Abraham. Father of many nations. My God. Father, I pray for them today that those that need to make the prayer, they need to say yes to you once and for all. Thank you, Lord, for those who have the courage to break away from their old gods. Thank you, for, Father, for those who are willing To accept you and you alone as the only true and living God. The one who has already paid for all of our sins. Paid for our unbelief. Father, I pray for them that they might say in heart, I believe you. I believe you, Father. If you need to do so, do that now. In your heart before the Lord. Because I believe you, I believe your word. Like Abraham, I will finish the journey. I thank you for them, Lord, who say so today. Slip your hand up as a sign of your own personal your, those of you who are, who are praying this I, do, I believe you Father as your own acknowledgement inside by the way today will require a faith that is demonstrative that's open it's required when you walk with God today you cannot be no more secret saints 
some of you are having a different kind of decision today. You have to decide, okay, I've been secret, but I no longer. I will obey you no matter what publicly. I will acknowledge you. Some of you, God has put you in situations where you had an opportunity to acknowledge who you belong to. You've had a, a, an opportunity to speak what he says in that given situation. But you were ashamed because you didn't want to, you didn't want to be ostracized. You didn't want to be treated as negative. You didn't want to be rejected. You received Jesus Christ. He takes care of that rejection. The God of creation, when he accepts you, who cares who doesn't? It becomes your joy, your privilege to represent him. Some of you have been afraid and ashamed. Some of you, because of personal sins, you don't want to be identified publicly with Jesus Christ. So for those of you who are in that condition and, 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 and you haven't done what God has asked you to do or you've done opposite of what he's asked, I just want you, and in fact, everybody's going to be embarrassed, raise your hands to the Lord. And I want you to, to, in your own heart, say, okay, Lord, no more of this, no more of this. committing to you Father I take this cup and I take this bread strengthen my body, my spirit my soul to be Christ to be Christ in the midst of crises without fear Lord Jesus thank you Jesus I'm saying these things today because this month on, everything changes. Our city, our nation, everything is radically changing. And it's going to require you to own who owns you. You have to decide. You want Jesus or your job. Sometimes your job will become threatened because of who you are. And you will, you, you will, you will have to or be put in a situation where you have to acknowledge your faith in God. Not as an excuse for your laziness, but as a testimony for your excellence. My God in mercy, have mercy on us, Jesus. Lord, have mercy on us. Some of you inside your spirit, you know dangerous times are coming. You know it. And the whole issue is who, you, who do you belong to? Who owns you? To whom do you report? Who's in charge of my life? And when he is in charge, you will gladly give an account for the reason of the hope that lies within you. If you haven't been able to do that, Come on, raise your hands before Lord. the Lord. Let's do some sanctification right here. Raise your hands before God. Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. I'm no longer afraid and no longer ashamed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now stand on your feet in the name of the Lord. As you stand on your feet, I want you to first row, turn and face the second row, third row, 
turn and face the fourth row and the fifth row. And if you're in a row by yourself, get in a row with some people. <laughs> then go across the aisle and make three or four groups across that aisle. Make sure you, there's no stranger in there, so introduce yourself. Can you imagine? Point to the leader in your group. Try it again. One, two, three. Point to the leader in your group. The one who gets the most hands, you're it. Let's try that one more time. Point to the leader in your group. Does every group have a leader? Raise your hand, leaders, wherever you are. Raise it high, keep it up so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. In the kingdom, it could be male or female. Amen. God bless you. Leaders, in a moment, go to the nearest aisle and retrieve the elements today. The elements, retrieve them, the cup and the bread. Glory to God. Take it back. Everyone take a piece of bread. A healthy piece of bread. Dip it in the cup. 